This is your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. subject of our FBI file, Grand Larceny. It's titled, The Skyway Man. Crimes are committed for many reasons. Revenge, fear, ignorance, hate. But the greatest number are caused by greed. The dictionary defines greed as acquisitive desire beyond reason. But that definition does not explain why certain people are possessed by that unreasonable appetite. For the explanation, we must go to the field of psychiatry, which tells us that in the case of many adults, greed is a result of insecurity stemming from their youth. Insecurity which often is a result of a lack of affection by parents toward child. Sometimes it is a result of overprotection of a child by parents. The insecurity coming when the child goes out into the world and finds himself unable to cope with a society which does not give him similar overprotection. This message is brought to you so that parents in the homes into which this program is coming may learn what they may do today to well determine whether or not a crime will be committed ten years from now. Tonight's FBI file opens on the midway of a county fair. It is early afternoon as a well-dressed man approaches one of the midway games of chess. Come on, anybody, you there, mister. Come on up to the counter. No, I don't want to play cards with you. Never gambled in my life, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you an amazing deck of cards. Uh, Come up a little closer, mister. That's it, right up to the counter. Now, let's say you've been losing to some rascal. You want to get even. That's human. That's natural. You bet this rascal a dollar, you can pick out the four aces without looking. You let him examine the cards, you let him shuffle them. Now, go ahead, mister. You shuffle them. Now, you leave the deck right where it is. That's it. You press down here, turn the deck this way, and the four aces come sliding out. Now, I could charge you $50 for this deck. I could charge you any price. But I don't want to be a millionaire. That's why I'm selling them cheap. $2. That's all it costs. And I... Hey... Hey, mister, come back. (laughs) Al, where did you come from? Well, son, if you hadn't been driving that customer away, you'd have seen me. I thought that'd be my first sale today. Uh, Do you have a report for me? Yeah. We're not doing a job here. No? Why not? Just tell me, uh, where do they keep the money? The manager's got a safe in his office. If it's in his safe, the money's as good as trickling through our fingers. No, it ain't. I presume there's a reason for your pessimism. Remember how you came into the fairgrounds? Certainly I do. Of course, of course. That's the only gate, and the road from town is the only road. There's no getaway. Ah, there must be. Do you feel like gambling? Well, if the proposition is attractive. Depend on one, you can't figure one out. Yeah, well, I'll just risk five dollars. You got fifty to your five. Splendid, splendid. Now you go back to amusing the populace with your mediocre pitch. I'll uh, survey the premises.
That same afternoon at the FBI field office in the city some miles away, Special Agent Jim Taylor approaches the desk of Agent George Bentley. Hi, George. Oh, hello, Jim. Ah, this is one fugitive we won't have to worry about for a while. Huh? He got 30 years this morning. We got a couple of new ones on our hands. Oh, who? A case the SAC just put us on. Several county fairs and carnivals have been burglarized in the past six months. Yeah, so I saw in the bulletin. Well, we know definitely the same safecracker worked in four different states because he left fingerprints behind each place. Well, that'd probably mean the loot was transported interstate. Yeah, I guess so. Any idea on the burglar? No, but we do have evidence there are at least two men. A watchman up in Oregon saw them run after one of the burglaries. How come we were alerted? Well, as the watchman approached the shack where the safe was, he heard the burglars talking. One of them said something about coming here. Oh. Where was the last job? Oregon. Our office there is working on it. I thought we'd cover the transportation terminals here. If we find an ex-safe cracker on any passenger list, it just might be a lead. Hi, Betty. Hi, Chuck. You done your jump? Just now. Pretty soft. One jump and through for the day. Maybe through for good. You retiring? Might have to. Come on, walk me over to the office. What's playing there? Andy wrote to some carnies down south. That where you're going? Yeah, if we get a booking. What happens if you don't? We try something new, not eating. You that broke? I got about six and a half bucks, and Andy's holding a ten spot. Maybe you can borrow some dough on the plane. Anybody who would lend us money on that wouldn't have sense enough to have money. Hi, kids. Hi. How's old aches and pains? Okay. Andy, uh, you been to the office? Yeah. Any hot offers? Nothing. Well, something will turn up. Fellas, why don't you get a new act? We got one. For sure. Didn't you see me come down on fire? I mean a whole new act. Forget about the plane, the parachutes. Start from scratch. Better. how long you been doing publicity? Ten years. Then it'd be like me telling you all to forget your typewriter. We've been doing this act since Chuck got out of high school. But in those days, it was a novelty to see a guy jump from a plane. Today, in a newsreel, a thousand G.I.s jump with guns. Don't you see? You're, you're selling a stale joke. I'll see you both later. Where are you going? To the hangar to rest my bones. That's old-fashioned, too. Guess he didn't like my popping off. Oh, that was okay. You sore, too? Of course not. Go on, I'll buy you a drink. Oh, well, hello there. Greetings, Roy. Oh, hi, Al. Sit down. Thanks, thanks. Well, been over the whole layout already? Yep. And the outlook seems to appear gloomy. After this, when I say there's no getaway, don't bet me. Here, I ordered this drink for you. Oh, thanks, John. Thank you. Good luck. Well, with whiskey like this on the market, I don't understand how the population keeps increasing. I uh, took a little look at that safe in the manager's office during my stroll. I can open it with this piece of lemon peel. Why eat your heart? <laughs> Say, how can they get that drunk in this kind of whiskey? He ain't loaded. He ain't? You mean he acts like that all the time? Yeah, he's the guy that jumps from the plane. 
claim? Whose claim? Oh, an old job him and his partner own. Oh, what's that young man's name? Chuck White. And uh, the lady with him? Betty Kimball. She's a press agent for the show. Oh, she uh, appears to be leaving. Hey, I thought you said dames and business don't mix. I am not interested in the young lady, but I have a notion about Mr. White. I'll uh, see you in good time. Where are you going? I'm going to the bar to accidentally make Mr. White's acquaintance. Tracking down suspects is never an easy job. And this case proved to be no exception. All that afternoon, agents Taylor and Bentley collected passenger lists of trains, planes, and buses originating in Portland. Then the names were teletyped to Washington. Unfortunately, the work produced no affirmative results. That meant your FBI still faced the same problem. The job of apprehending two criminals without knowing their names, descriptions, or whereabouts. George, we've got a lead. What's that, Jim? $5,000 of the loot stolen from the fair in Oregon had just come from the bank. New money? Yeah, and the Portland office got us the serial numbers. Here's a copy for you. Mm-hmm. SAC had me send those serial numbers to all transportation terminals. Oh, fine. Here's a list in return. Oh, what's this one? Every fair, carnival, and amusement park in our territory. Hey, that a... Oh, I got it. Okay. Taylor speaking. Yes, sir, that's right. Oh, do you... You know when you took it in? Was that the only one? Oh. Yes, sir, thank you very much for calling. George, I was the airline ticket agency. They took in one of the $20 bills on the list. When? Today, a Mr. John Smith passed it. The ticket was for Auburn. The name is obviously fictitious. Hey, there's a county fair at Auburn. Good. George, will you notify them and clean up the other details around here? Sure. I'll catch the next plane. Andy. Andy. Up and at him. Come on, come on. I have a pain in the back of my neck. Wait till you hear the news. I was at the saloon on the midway, and I ran into somebody named Mr. Williams at the bar. He'll pay us $300 to take him to Lake City. In old-fashioned money? Yeah, get up. (laughs) What shows this Mr. Williams with? None. He missed his train back to Lake City, and tomorrow's his boy's birthday, so he's got to get home. Yeah, I like that boy of his. (laughs) (laughs) He already paid me. Look. Where's Mr. Williams now? Shopping for a birthday present. When's he want to leave? Sometime tonight. Well, that'll give me time. For what? A way of healing my neck. A nice warm poultice and new ten dollar bills. <laughs> All right, you rip all the cards this way, and every one's the eight of diamonds. You say that's not a trick, okay, try this one. Bit that rascal a dollar, you can cut the deck ten times and always cut an ace. You say it can't be done, well just watch the deck. I'll be glad to. Oh, hi. Son, did it ever occur to you that the lack of customers could be due to a poor product? Ah, these rooms wouldn't pay a deuce for a key to Fort Knox. I uh, came to bid you a fond farewell. The fair don't close for an hour yet. I am acquainted with the schedule, but my plane is waiting. I'll meet you at my apartment. What about the job? Son, in this little black bag are not only the tools of my profession, but the former contents of the safe. What? 
an opportunity presented itself a few moments ago that was a little bit too good to pass up. How'd you swing it solo? Eavesdropping outside the manager's office. I heard him tell a party on the telephone that he'd be right over to judge the livestock. Nobody saw you go in, did they? I beg your pardon. <laughs> this is the first time I ever blew a ten-to-one bet and liked it. Well, I'll deduct the loss from your portion of the proceeds. Okay. Oh, uh, son. Yeah. When the gendarmes arrive, uh, don't be surprised if they assume the theft was committed by your devil-may-care compatriot. Who? Uh, Mr. Chuck White. When I finished work, I left a memento for the police. Uh, a little wallet I borrowed from his pocket this afternoon. And now back to the FBI file, The Skyway Man. No child enters life a criminal. Yet today, approximately one person out of every 20 in the United States has a fingerprint arrest record in the Washington files of your FBI. In tonight's case, you see two of those people, an older criminal and a young man in his 20s. Each is a confirmed lawbreaker. Why? Actually, the sources of crime in America may be sought in three directions. In the abnormal personality traits of the criminal, in the general culture of American society, and in the abnormal physical or social conditions under which the criminal has lived. Of those, perhaps the most important is the last, the physical or social conditions under which the criminal has lived. Each person is a product of certain influences, and it is axiomatic that home life and parents rank at the top of those influences. If you are a parent, what are you doing to help prevent your child from becoming a criminal of the future? Is he learning by watching you to respect law and order? Are you giving him the attention and affection he needs? Your FBI has learned many things in its years of fighting crime, one of them being that even more than charity, crime prevention begins at home. Tonight's FBI file continues later that night at the county fairgrounds. Special Agent Taylor is in the manager's office when Agent Bentley arrives. Jim, I hear this place was burglarized tonight. Yeah, just before I got here. Even after our warning, huh? The manager thought his safe couldn't be cracked. Where is he now? It's down at police headquarters. They sent out an alarm on two suspects named Chuck White and Andy Anderson after they found this wallet near the safe. Belongs to White. Who's he? He's a parachute jumper with the show. Anderson is his pilot. Any idea where they went? No, but they took off right after the robbery. The manager know where they're supposed to work next? Well, this is the end of the circuit, George. From here, everybody splits up for the winter. Oh. There's one other piece of evidence against White and Anderson. They came here from the fair near Portland. I guess we better answer it. Hello? Oh, yes, Mr. Mitchell. I did when? Fine. Hmm? Uh, yes, yes, of course. No, there isn't. Well, we'll get something. Yeah. Thanks. 
George, I was the manager. Word just came in at headquarters on that alarm. The plane's been found at Lake City. How about the two men? Lake City police are holding them. Well, I doubt we can get there tonight. Yeah, probably not, but let's notify the Lake City police we'd like to interview the men first thing in the morning. Mr. White, you claim you have no idea how your wallet got into the manager's office, huh? That's right. When do you last remember having it? I don't know. Wallets are for keeping money in, so I didn't get to use it a lot. Seems like you all know me and Chuck ain't crooks. Mr. Anderson, White's wallet was found in the safe after the burglary. You both took off from the fair immediately after that safe was cracked. You both had money that was stolen last week at a fair in Oregon, and you both worked at that fair. What we told you, we got that money from Mr. Williams. Yeah, I see him. We're trying to. Oh, hi, George. Find anything? No. We've checked every Williams in the phone book and on the voting records. Today's his boy's birthday. That didn't help. Neither did that description you gave. You men know anybody who can prove there is such a man? No, I'm afraid not. We saw him and spoke to him. Don't that prove his real? Well, I'm sorry, gentlemen. I'm afraid the evidence against you is pretty strong. FBI headquarters in Washington takes an important part in all cases. In this one, for example, agents Taylor and Bentley sent the fingerprints of Chuck White and Andy Anderson to Washington, and also sent the description of the man they knew thus far only as Mr. Williams. Further investigation was also made on which fairs and carnivals Anderson and White had worked during the previous six months. Meanwhile, at an apartment in another city, the doorbell rang. Patience, patience. Coming, coming, coming. Hi, Al. Well, well, Roy. Come in, come in. Say, did you have any trouble brushing the two patsies? No, no, not a bit. Nice boys. I left them at the Lake City Airport. They were arrested an hour later. Hey, what are you doing? Hanging picture. This, uh, this guy a friend of yours? A friend? Ah, yes. Yes, indeed, son. Who is he? A great man, son. A really great man. Son, that was Robert Adams, the father of American safecrackers. I never heard of him. Ah, it's too bad, yes. He was rather neglected in the history books. Quite a pity, quite a pity. Why, do you know... The reward on him was more than most men can steal in a lifetime. Oh, I don't know. We ought to be pretty fat in the loot department. Uh, where you got it? It's right over there on the table. It's waiting for you. The large envelope. How much is that? $8,000. Oh, brother, I can't wait to start spreading it around New York. Uh, New York? Yeah, I shipped my trunk up there, and I got a room waiting at a hotel. Hey, Roy, there's no point squandering the money that you work so hard to get. Now, listen, you take my advice. I wish somebody had given it to me when I was your age. Yes, sir. You get married. You get married to some nice girl like that, like that nice little girl up in Oregon. She's in jail. Oh. Well, there are other girls around. The place for you to go is south, my boy. There are plenty of carnivals running down there. You try to find one in Georgia or Florida. I still need them. For what? Well, I don't know. I suppose it's just an old man's pride. But before I retire... I would like to crack at least one safe in every state in the Union. George, 
Sarge, we got some reports from Washington. Neither White nor Anderson has a criminal record. Anything back on that Mr. Williams? Yes, there is a safe cracker with that name who answers the general description. They wire photo his picture for us. Oh, that is? Yeah, here, take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Are you the FBI man? Yes, that's right, ma'am. The policeman at the desk said to see you. About what? Chuck White and Andy Anderson. I'm Betty Kimball. Oh, I'm Agent Bentley, and this is Agent Taylor. How do Kimball? you do? You know anything about the burglary? Just that they didn't do it. Are you related to White or Anderson? No. I was the press agent with the fair down to Auburn. And I say, well, tell me, do you know Mr. Williams? Williams. Hmm. Williams, isn't that the man that Chuck and Andy brought up here? No, it's their story. You can believe them about anything but their act. We have Williams' picture here, would you? Take a look at it, please. Mm-hmm. Ever see him? I think so. Where? I'm trying to remember. Sure. That's a guy I saw hanging around Roy Carter's pitch on the midway. Oh, they seem to know each other? Like old pals. Who is this Roy Carter? A grifter. He works carnies, fairs, any place he can set up a stand. Mm-hmm. Where can we locate him? In New York, but I don't know where. I ran into him yesterday while he was checking his equipment at the station. He told me he was going to New York for a vacation after he stopped to see a pal. George, that pal could be Williams. Yeah. Did he mention any other city? No. Well, if Carter bought a ticket to New York with stopover privileges, the railroad station might have a record of it. Let's call and check. George, the railroad says Carter's ticket allowed for a stop at Oakville. Oakville? Al Williams was arrested there last year. Oh? And Washington sent this teletype. Those unidentified prints on the four safes are Williams. Well, then he probably did this last job, too. Yep. And they also learned that Roy Carter operated concessions at all the fairs and carnivals where the robberies were reported. Well, that ties them both in. Come on, we're going to Oakville. Never mind those phone books, George. Why? I found the cab driver who picked Carter up. Hey. And he remembers where he took him. Oh, where's that? An apartment house at 73 Allen Street. Let's get over there. Janet, it says Williams left town yesterday. Oh, where? He doesn't know, but he told me Carter visited Williams a few days ago. They leave together? No, but, George, if they're back in action, maybe we can find out where. Let's get to a phone. Folks, you want to fool your friends, you want to get even with some rascal. Now, here's the way. Watch carefully. Just a minute, Roy. Where have you been? No place. I was here at 3 this afternoon, again at 6. Stand was closed both times. Oh, I met a girl. Girl? Who is she? Oh, local girl. My mother's got a farm near here where guys and the lamb hide out. Oh, sounds like you're getting into a wonderful family. Hey, hey show for me. Here come a couple of customers. All right, folks, here's the magic deck. You always get an ace. See, here you are, mister. You shuffle. We didn't come here for that, Carter. We came for you. You too, Williams. I beg your pardon. Do we know each other? We're special agents of the FBI. These are warrants for your arrest. Roy Carter and Al Williams were convicted of interstate transportation of stolen property and sentenced to federal prison. Special Agents Taylor and Bentley learned the name of the carnival at which Roy Carter was working by calling the railroad station in New York. The station master's office told them where Carter had requested that his equipment trunk be sent. The arrest of the two fugitives in this case illustrates not only the thoroughness of any investigation by your FBI, but also the labor which goes into freeing innocent suspects. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is proud of the fact 
that special agents have never set out to prove the innocence or guilt of any particular person, but have always concentrated on finding the evidence in a case and allowing the facts to speak for themselves. For only in that way can justice be served. And justice is the sole interest of your FBI. The incidents used in tonight's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious. And any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production.